RadioInfluence.com. This is the Valor Hour, powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. Your weekly glimpse inside all things Valor Fights and a look at what's going on in the rest of the MMA community. Now, here's your host, the president of Valor Fights, Tim Loy. Valor Hour, episode 84. We are on the air. I am Tim Loy, joined by Justin Watson, my co-host and partner in crime in this endeavor. And we are still reeling from a big UFC 229 event. Went down this past Saturday night in Las Vegas. It was Connor versus Khabib. And uh, Justin, was it everything that uh, you expected it to be? Yeah, I mean, it was a uh, main event was great. The rest of the fights were good. The best fight of the night happened, you know, after the final bell. Yeah, no doubt. It was a circus. We'll get into uh, a bit more of that uh, as we as we go into the Valor Hour here. Of course, we've also got uh, a great lineup of guests. We're going to be talking to a couple of the fighters on the November 2nd Valor Fighting Challenge card that'll be coming up uh, in Knoxville at the Cotton Eye Joe. We're going to talk to Dre Miley and Chris Wolf a little bit later on the night. They're both professionals on that card. And then we'll also talk to Justin Koppel, whose national top roller has a tournament going on this weekend in Knoxville. So we will talk to him and get the scoop on that as well as our Bellator picks. Uh, we are... We're limping in. I really, I, I really felt going into this last uh, UFC that we're going to make up some ground, and uh, things did not shake out as we hoped. And we are uh, kind of limping into this Bellator uh, doubleheader this weekend. We got Bellator uh, 207 on Friday in Uncasville, Connecticut, and then in New York it is Bellator, two, Bellator 208 uh, Saturday. So we've got the, the heavyweight Grand Prix is going to play out this weekend. And uh, we're going to do our best to decipher some, some value for you guys out there. Uh, Justin, you excited for uh, this weekend? we got Bellator. we got uh, PFL re- resumes their playoffs. Did you, uh, side note, did you, did you catch any of the PFL uh, action Friday? No, I didn't. I missed it. I did, too. Uh, and I tried to go back. I tried to go back and watch some of it late that night when I got in. And honestly, I thought the fights were kind of were kind of lacking. I thought that they, they the you know they had been good up until this event, but I don't know if it's you know the the thought of knowing that you may have to fight a second time. Guys were playing it kind of safe. You saw a lot of uh, kind of uh, cruising to decisions, you know. Yeah, I want to go back and watch it probably before before I watch the uh, this week's show on Friday night. Uh, yeah. Bellator's Bellator's pretty good this weekend. I mean. Uh, Kind of top heavy. It would have been nice if they would have just, you know, made this one card, and uh, you know, they could have had a, a really nice card if they would have just combined the two. But still going to be a fun weekend. Hey, that's not a bad idea. The more if you think about it, you put these two main cards together, and you've got a pretty damn legit ten fight card. Uh, yes, that probably would have been a good idea. I would have to concur. Um, we'll open things up, of course, with the UFC 229 recap. Uh, like I said, it went down this past Saturday, uh, October the 6th in Las Vegas. 12 bouts on the card, uh, and uh, we opened up on Fight Pass with three bouts. Um, the first bout at 170 pounds, and Tony Martin 
uh, comes in as a, a slight underdog to Ryan LaFleur and uh, gets a gets a knockout. He, he knocks him down with a head kick in the third round and finishes him off with punches. He dropped him a few times leading up to that uh, in the third round, but um, it was still kind of close-ish because uh, I, I thought it could very well have been one-to-one going to the third round, uh, and LaFleur just didn't have any, enough pop on his strikes to really deter Tony Martin from just kind of sitting down on, on heavy strikes. And, and he, like I said, he dropped him multiple times, finally finished him off in the third round. Losing picks for both myself and Justin as we went with Ryan LaFlair. Uh, but Tony Martin picks up the win uh, one minute into round number three. Uh, moving on to the next bout, it was uh, Nick the Carney Lentz with a, uh, a similar finish. A uh, head kick uh, followed up by punches over a very tough Gray Maynard. He had Gray Maynard um, looking like the elephant man after the first round. He was all busted up, it really landed a lot of uh, hard blows, dropped him. Uh, but Gray showed a lot of toughness, maybe too much toughness for his own good. Um, survives the round, comes back out, and gets more of the same in the second. Nick Lentz, the Carney, improves 29 and 9 with a uh, second-round TKO there. And then uh, rounding out the uh, fight pass uh, portion, it was a unanimous decision win for Yana Kuninskaya, uh, moving to 11-4 and four with a win over uh, Lena Lonsberg in a fight that lost my attention pretty quickly. Um, it was a you know fairly a fairly obvious decision uh, once the dust had settled. Uh, you know There was a lot of clinch work, which you would think Lonsberg would have wanted, uh, playing to her strengths. She just couldn't get it done. Justin, your thoughts on the fight past prelims? I was pretty solid all around. The girl fight was kind of lackluster. Um, not kind of what we've grown to expect from, from female fights here lately, but uh, you know these aren't two of the best in the world either. So um, Nick Lynch, that fight was awesome. Uh, I did really good on that with some prop bets and stuff, taking him inside um, and taking him by knockout. Gray Maynard. I kind of said before, you know, it's kind of past his time. I think it's time to move on. Um, and Tony Martin looked great. Uh, I think he's found his weight class now. Yeah, and I think the way they they were talking, that was kind of a loser leaves home uh, or leaves, loser leaves town uh, fight. So uh, we may see uh, Ryan LaFleur get cut, and he's got a really good record. He's 14-3 and three to get cut. But, you know, aesthetically, it, you know, he, he just doesn't have, um, you know, just that – ability and uh you know that's what the US wants they want to see guys going out there and stop and fight so tony martin kind of uh probably saved his job there and uh with it with a win uh and, and you know like we said last i wish that the that the dang total props would be out whenever we're doing these picks because uh you know i went on the record last week to saying the same i, I would take this nick lince and gray maynard fight to go under one and a half rounds uh, all day long, you know, and and I and I did, and I won on it, but not on the record here for for our faithful listeners. Yep. Um, of course, we we move on to the Fox Sports One uh, uh, section of the prelims. There were four bouts there, and uh, we started off hot with uh, Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman. Knoxville boy goes up there and gets a vicious TKO. Well, you might even call it a KO uh, with elbows from Mount over Alon Patrick who came in as a very heavy favorite. Uh, Holtzman, one of the biggest underdogs on the card. And uh, 
and he really looked great. I mean, an all-around good performance. He put it all together. Like we know he is capable, but he has yet to show uh, in in a UFC fight. And uh, Patrick could not get the takedowns. He was starting to telegraph him from far away. And Scotty got on top at the end, was just laying in some elbows. Moves to twelve and two, and is calling out some uh, some ranked uh, opposition next. What was your thought on the the opener? Man, it went just like I kind of expected. I, I said last week, this is this is Scotty's chance to to really put on a show and shine and show everybody who he is and what he's made of. And I mean, Alan Patrick just got smashed on the bottom. He was he was out cold. It was he was asleep. That is a, a fight that I I think would uh, catapult Holtzman towards the top twenty. What's a matchup that you can think uh, off the top of your head that would make sense for? For Scott uh, next, that would be one that you know could could raise his stock a little bit even more to where he's getting you know on these pay per view cards, et cetera. Hmm. I'm not sure. I can't think of a name right offhand, but I think any somebody right around the top fifteen. I mean, maybe just outside the top fifteen. Um, somebody else looking to to break in. Um, he called out Jim Miller. Hand, I can't. Uh, Jim Miller would be good. It's a it's a, a big name, so. You know, a lot of people would would know who he is. I think Jim Miller's on the decline for sure. Um, I'd like to see. I don't know. I don't, I don't love that so much. I don't like guys kind of coming up on on the coming down of other guys. But um, I'd like to see him fight. You know, some guys that are that are looking to start contending. Yeah, I'd like to see him get a big fight that could, like I said, get him on uh, one. Of, you know, the the main card of one of these pay per view uh, cards. We've yet to see him off of, uh, you know, Fox Sports 1 or a uh, fight pass, you know? Yeah. You know what? Actually, Drew Dober or, or Josh Emmett, would, either one would be uh, would be cool to see. Cause, you know, he's, he's, that's his two losses, and um, I think they're probably both right around that area. Yeah, you Josh know. it might be in the top ten. I'm not sure, but if he's in the top ten, it's the low top ten. That's a fight that I think if he fight either one of those guys, if he fights them now, like he just fought uh, Patrick, you know, he, he wins those fights. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's very close in, in both of those. Moving on, I, we had a uh, bantamweight female bout. Aspen Ladd uh, re- remains undefeated and moves to 7-0 and with a big TKO over Tanya Evinger, who falls to 19-8. and um, I I was leaning towards taking Evinger in this one. I I, I uh, abstained, uh, thankfully. Uh, but uh, Aspen Ladd, really, uh, man, she just had some vicious uh, ground and pound there. Seems like a few of those shots may have gotten borderline uh, to being back of the head. But you know, as they say, when you're playing the game, as Evinger was, there was a lot of turning her head and whatnot. And those things happened. She certainly was uh, in a bad spot there. But uh, Aspen Ladd is now seven and zero, uh, and you know, is, is this? Uh, are we? You know, and Evinger, you know, a former Invicta champion, is this? Uh, you know, uh, a future contender? You think here in Ladd, or do we, do we do we need to see more? Um, I mean, they sure think so. She's only got seven fights. So, I mean, you know, in the women's division, you have a lot of a lot of women that that have you know um, smaller records. So, yeah, I mean. Uh, I definitely should uh, try to throw her into the top 15 to see what, what she can do. I mean, um, I don't think there's any reason to, to try to um, tote her record, you know, just see what she's about. Of course, then we had the biggest favorite on the card, Vicente Luque, uh, moves to 14-6. and six. He was a major favorite over uh, Contender Series alum Jalen Turner, who falls to 7-4. and four. Um 
not much to say here. You know, uh, Luke's a powerful mofo, and he hits really hard, and, and he hit Jalen Turner really hard, and he got him out of there in the first round. Uh, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, just a, mit- a mismatch from the beginning. We knew that was, you know, kind of going to go that way. And then the uh, main bout on the preliminary portion of UFC 229 is flyweight action. Uh, GCA Formiga, uh, he gets a unanimous decision win over Sergio Pettis, who just never really could get it going. Uh, Formiga would get the uh, the opportune takedowns and uh, what was, a, you know, I, I, thought, uh, I thought Pettis may have been getting slightly the better of the stand-up, but it was still kind of close-ish, and, and, and then on the ground it wasn't. Uh, it was pretty one-sided. Uh, I managed to, to pick up an underdog win on that one uh, as uh, Formiga moves to 22-5, and five, and Sergio Pettis falls to 17-4 and four and begins a bad trend for the brothers Pettis that evening. Justin? Yeah, uh, I actually heard that um, – that, uh, Pettis had to get an abortion on his leg after that. Oh, yeah, um, I saw that. Woo-wee! So, that's kind of crazy. But, um, yeah, that kind of threw me off. I thought Pettis was going to be able to do more on his feet, honestly. Then we moved on to the pay-per-view portion of the card, and uh, we had the uh, the top female bout of the evening as the karate, hotter, uh, the karate hottie Michelle Watterson uh, wins a unanimous decision over uh, Felice Herring. Uh, Watterson goes to 16 and six, fairly, fairly, uh, uh, I was fairly, uh, confident in the way the decision would go after watching the fight. I don't think it was that close. Um, police Harry just, uh, couldn't get it going, you know, and I, I honest, I, I didn't bet, I didn't take her in our official picks here, but I did bet her, uh, in the real life and I lost, uh, police Harry goes to 14 and eight and it kind of halts her momentum a little bit. She was, uh, she was getting on a roll. Uh, Justin. Yeah, I ended up taking Watterson last minute. Um, just looking back at her last fight, I thought she had what it took to, to kind of get through Herrig, and she did it. You think uh, we're going to see a pretty good step up for Watterson now uh, to, to one of the uh, the contenders? Yeah, I mean, her name's right up there. I don't know what she's ranked, but probably seven or eight. Um, yeah, I mean, she's got a big name, so they should start pushing her. Again, I mean, she came in as, you know, like uh, one of their little, you know, golden children. So um, they should probably start pushing her again, I think. Heavyweight action was next on the menu as this one was a tough one to sweat here. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, Derek Lewis uh, climbs to 21 and 5 with a big uh, third round knockout of Alexander Volkov. Uh, there was only 11 seconds left to go in a fight, in a fight that Volkov was very much on his way to winning a decision in. Uh, man, Lewis, I, did, I didn't think Lewis looked good. Um, I, you know, Volkov many times had him hurt and just, for whatever reason, wouldn't close him out, would let him off the hook over and over and over and over. Uh, Lewis is completely gassed. Uh, all he, it, but it was still obviously was dangerous. He, he would have his back to the fence and he'd fire back with a real big one that obviously has some heat on it. And uh, man, I, I don't know. I, I would, I, I really, I'd bet on Volkov. I didn't take him in our picks as you did here, but I did bet on him and felt like I had a uh, had a lock going into the third round. And so to watch the time just 
dwindle, get, get, watching the, the time clock on the third round uh, drift to zero as my guy starts taking shots because of his poor fight IQ, uh, is all I can say. Uh, that was demoralizing. Justin. <laughs> Derek Lewis looked absolutely horrible throughout the fight. I mean, I, I thought that, you know, Volkov was, was just a safe pick, so that's why I took him here. I really wanted to take Derek Lewis in real life, though, just because he was the underdog and, you know, Derek Lewis can do what he did anytime. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was getting, getting beat up everywhere the first three rounds and then, what, 15 seconds left or something. He just lands that big right hand and did a monstrous punch, uh, on the ground and it was over. And he earned himself a, a, a title fight with that. He is now the, uh, the main event of, uh, of UFC 230. It's a quick turnaround. Uh, of course, he's a heavyweight, so he's probably not. Well, he may cut a little bit of weight, I guess, but probably not cutting a whole lot of weight. And he's got a quick turnaround to fight DC Daniel Cormier uh, next. What's your thoughts on that? I think it's pretty crazy. Uh, did you hear the <laughs> post-fight interview? His post-fight interview was uh, was uh, the stuff of legend. Yeah, I mean, he, he. But part of what he said in there was he's not ready for a title fight right now with that cardio. He can't <laughs> handle that, you know. And then it's interesting too that just what was it a couple weeks ago when you know the uh, DC and John Jones fight was thrown up in the air. DC his hand was broken, so he couldn't fight on the New York card. But now all of a sudden it's it's uh, Derek Lewis and he can fight because you know, it's just perfect perfect style matchup for him. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, think so. the thing it's almost it's it's almost embarrassing, but I mean it'll be fun to watch. I think Derek Lewis always, you know, he can always hit you, and if he does, it's you know it's, he's not, he hits harder than Rumble Johnson probably. So we'll yeah. see what happens. Yeah, there's it will be interesting. I'm sure that uh, like we were joking yesterday, I'm sure we will be all over DC in that fight and be sweating it yeah. the whole way just because yep. of what. What could happen? <laughs> so. Exactly. I mean, you know, if Derek if, if DC kind of fights Derek Lewis the way that he fought Anderson Silva, that could be very, very dangerous. Oh, he, know, is. he He just steps in a little bit too close. You know, he just thinks he's wearing him out, but the last thing to go is the power. And, you know, he can he can still do it at 24 minutes and 45 seconds. So, or well, let's see, what was it, 14 minutes and 45 seconds? So. Yep. He can probably do it at 24 minutes and 45 seconds, too. <laughs> Moving on to the feature bout of the evening, our second of two Knoxville uh, Knoxville boys in there. Uh, Ovin St. Prue took on Dominic Reyes. It was uh, it went all the rounds, a decision, uh, unanimous for Dominic, Dominic Reyes, though. Um, Ovin's just really couldn't seem to get it going uh, on this evening. I, I think that he is capable of better than what we showed, but just seemed a little tentative, uh, just – uh, wasn't pulling the trigger. Uh, Reyes took advantage of it and uh, gets the decision uh, unanimously and moves to 10-0. and uh, We've got a contender on our hands here, Justin. Yeah, um, I think he stepped up and handled the spotlight great. OSP fought a good fight. I mean, it wasn't that OSP wasn't fighting well. Um, Dominic Reyes was just, you know, everything was, was perfect for him that night. Um, you know, it's tough, tough to watch, but, but yeah, I think Reyes will he'll get a big big step up from here. And then of course we go to the co-main event, 
uh, El Kikui, Tony Ferguson. Um, uh, for lack of a better word, we had a corner stoppage, I guess, in between rounds two and three. Uh, he moves 24 and three with a big win over Anthony Showtime Pettis. Very exciting fight. Uh, you know, it, it, Ferguson was definitely getting the better of it all, but but Pettis was was hanging in there and tough, and, and it would be absorbing crazy punishment and then throw off a, a crazy handstand kick, you know? So, like, he was still very much um, – I wouldn't say that he had a real good shot at winning the fight, but he was certainly uh, still in there competing and putting on a show and not uh, not really on the verge, I didn't think, of, of, of just getting fucked up. You know, uh, He was still a game, but I, I guess he broke his hand uh, at some point. They thought better than to come out and risk more damage or, or getting hurt in the third round against a guy that is uh, uh, as dangerous as Tony Ferguson. Justin, uh, what were your thoughts on the co-main event? I thought the fight was great. I thought that uh, Pettis was going to come back and win. He dropped Ferguson in the second round, and um, you know I, I don't know what what caught his uh, like the top of his right, his hairline, but mm. um, he started bleeding all over the place. And I think that for a lot of people that made it made a lot of people think that Ferguson was doing more than he was. But right, um, he did land more punches, and he was winning the fight if you look at it statistically. But I think Anthony Pettis was landing the bigger shots, you know, um, and I thought I was going to get a win there, get some, get a bunch of points coming back to me. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, a lot of times you see guys come out with a broken hand and still fight. But I think at this point in, in Pettis' career, you know, he's he's probably already down two rounds to none. Um, but you know, maybe maybe one to one, but. He, you know, it's going to be really tough for him to win this this round and win the fight. So, for the longevity of, of his career, you know, it's probably the best thing to just just go ahead and stop there. Of course, the main event was the one everyone was waiting for. Uh, Who we uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, improves to twenty seven and zero, uh, just incredible. Uh, with a, a rear naked choke is what it's listed as. It was really kind of more of like a face crank uh, on uh, Conor McGregor, who falls to 21 and four. It was uh, it was a circus. It was uh, uh, afterward. Obviously, there was a whole uh, debacle that ensued. But before we get to that, uh, we'll talk about the fight. And you know, Conor at first was wrestling pretty good. You know, he was able to kind of stave off the early takedowns, and uh, eventually, Khabib was able to get those. And uh, that was all the difference, uh, aside from the fact that, you know, he dropped Connor. You know, he, he was getting some very good exchanges in uh, the striking department as well. So uh, there really is no excuses for Connor there. I was rooting for him. We all were. But uh, Beeb is just uh, was just too much. And, uh, you know, obviously afterward, there was a, the, the, the fracas that ensued. Um, cage side, Khabib left the cage to go attack Dylan Danis in Connor's corner. Uh, one of Khabib's uh, henchmen sucker punches Connor in the cage as well. It was uh, it was quite the uh, quite the scene. And uh, as a promoter, my or a former promoter, might I happily say, uh, from this end of things, uh, those are the kind of things that make you squirm real bad because ultimately, you know, it just takes. 
you know, one of these instances going just completely shit fucked and you can start getting into the realm of having liabilities in the crowd and uh, your commission and state starting to frown upon what you're doing and uh, you know, the sport as a whole. So those uh, those moments are uh, make, make your butthole pucker. Justin. Before I get into the fight, I, I understand that from, you know, business aspect of it, from the you know, looking at the insurance and whatnot, it's scary, but this is, you know, this that made this fight a hundred times bigger than if it wouldn't have happened. People, you know, have been coming up to me all week that I never talked to about fighting or anything, and, you know, but they saw it on the news or, you know, saw it here or there. And, you know, so they sold tons and tons of big reviews on this one, and they, you know, they'll do more next time. Um so from a marketing standpoint, you can't really ask for much better free advertisement. Nobody got hurt. He was, you know, he, he was, it would be different if he was attacking fans or something, but, you know, Dylan Dennis is a pro fighter as well. You know, if he asked for it, he can get hit a time or two. The security all stepped in and, and handled everything. The worst part of it was, you know, the guy jumping over the cage and, you know, hitting Connor in the back of the head. Um, but that was down a while, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't think it's as bad as people are making it out to be. I think that um, all around, it's, it's going to bring in more revenue. As yeah, far I as the fight goes, <clears throat> as far as the fight goes, I, I didn't think it was that bad. I thought Connor did pretty good um, with the wrestling. I thought that he was conserving his energy pretty well. I didn't really see the finish coming when it did. Um, I still, I still saw some light in Connor. I thought that he, he could still finish it at any time. He just looked off. He just I think he was just so worried about the takedown. I think that, that he was well prepared. I think that he did better on the ground than anybody else has done with Khabib. Um, he, Khabib only landed three or four takedowns, and you know he he controlled him. But a couple of times they were up against the cage. I mean, Khabib was in control for a long time, but he wasn't doing anything. If you look at you know the damage done, it was very little. Um, with that neck crank that he got. I mean, you know. I've heard people say that they would have to break it, but uh, I mean, if you got $150 million in the bank and you know automatically that you're going to make you know, another $50 million when you fight this guy again in six months, why let your job break for the yeah. same outcome? You know, I mean, I understand the, the pride aspect of it, but, you know, we're not in his shoes, so, you know, we couldn't imagine what it would be like. I mean, I don't care. I wouldn't care what anybody thought about me if I tapped out because I'm still getting paid fifty million dollars when I leave here. Absolutely, absolutely, and and you know, uh, there's there's no doubt that uh, you know that's uh, that 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 hurt like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it, piece, it, you know, like it's a, yeah, it's a lot worse than the choke. I mean, the choke. You know, he, once he gets it in, seven eight seconds later, you you're asleep. Next thing you know, you're waking up. It's not really painful. Right. Um, it's not, you know, and, and everybody that's ever been on a mat has been choked out. I mean, it's something that you, you kind of know what when it's coming, but that neck crank, I mean, it, it basically it's it's crushing on the inside of your jaw is what it's doing. Um, he had that gable grip, so he's just pushing, you know, forearm into bicep just to crush the jaw. And you can break it. I mean, you know, with enough pressure, it will break, so. I've um, seen it happen. I saw Jason Kubik break a dude's jaws with his thighs. Yeah, it's nasty. 
I mean, there's no way that I would say, oh, I'm going to let this break. You're going to be out for years. You know, I mean, I think it was it was a good, good call to tap, but, I mean, hats off to Khabib. He did, he did what, he, what he needed to do. Um, I, I look forward to the rematch, though. I think I, a lot of people were saying that they thought that it was just a, a domination and all that, but I, I don't know. I didn't see it that bad. Maybe it was just my bias because I, I had something, something wagered on it, you know. Well, I mean, Khabib was winning, but I still felt at the beginning of each round that we had a chance. You know, I yeah. still felt like there was, you know, there were moments when Connor was still wrestling good enough, you know, to, to shake off those those takedown attempts. And, you know, and we know that at any point Connor can land. So I, I each round I still I wasn't I, I wasn't feeling like, you know, it's over. Yeah, well, he won round three on all three judges scorecards. So. Khabib won round one, uh, 10-9, and Khabib won the second round, 10-8, um, on all three scorecards. But the third round was scored for Connor. So it was actually the first first round that Khabib lost in the UFC. But, um, you know, going to the fourth round, I mean, they were up against the cage that whole time. You know, he didn't – it wasn't a clean takedown. It wasn't – he wasn't landing too much. Um, and then he just got a hold of it. But had they gotten back up, you know – and Connor done a couple more things. He could have won that round, and, and we could have been looking at a really close fight going into the fifth round. And Khabib's cardio has always been suspect too. I mean, once he gets later in the round, it's a lot easier to stuff those takedowns. So, you know, I, I still felt good going into the fourth round. I thought that it was on the upside. I kind of thought Connor had done what he needed as far as letting Khabib blow himself out in the first two, and then I thought he was really going to come back in the fourth. But I was wrong about that. What do you think's next? Uh, I mean, do you think we re- immediately get the rematch, or do you think uh, do you think that uh, we we see Ferguson get into the mix with somebody, or what, what do you what do you anticipate? I think it's up to Khabib. Um, well, I guess right now it's up to whatever happens. They're both suspended right now, um, and they're, I guess they're going to have a, a hearing later in the month to see how long the suspensions are going to be and and what they're going to do. I don't know if you saw McGregor. I jumped up on the cage and punched one of uh, one of Khabib's cornermen. I guess he was trying to get over the cage. So now they're saying that he's suspended too, and that he's going to have some some things to deal with. But people are saying Khabib could be suspended for up to a year. Um, so kind of just depends on what happens with that, I guess. If he's suspended over a year, I suspect that they'll strip him of the belt, and you have to put Ferguson in there for it. <clears throat> um, but if it's a small suspension, if it's a six-month suspension, I think you probably see them next in a rematch. And that wraps up UFC 229. What a night it was. Uh, a little bit of a break uh, for UFC now. They won't be back till the end of the month. they got a Canadian card coming up. But we do have action still this weekend. We've got... Uh, uh, as mentioned before, we have uh, the PFL playoffs continuing this weekend. Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, it is lightweights and light heavyweights this time. Last time it was featherweights and uh, heavyweights. Um, so we will see. Uh, we're not going to dive too deeply into that. We may recap a little bit of it next week, but you can watch that. Uh, uh, I want to say that's Saturday night, and that is um, going to be on NBC Sports and Facebook and so uh, we'll check that out this weekend, as well as uh, back-to-back Bellators. We have Bellator 207 and Bellator 208. 
Bellator 207 goes down Friday night uh, from the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. And then they move over to uh, New York for uh, Saturday's uh, Bellator 208. Uh, both of those are going to be on uh, the Paramount and the DAZN. I think you can watch it on either. Um, so uh, we're going to dive into those main cards here. We're, we're going to uh, avoid the preliminaries. There's nothing I see on either that jumps out at me. Uh, Justin, anything you see on these preliminaries that, that we need to that needs to be touched on, or can we can we get into the to the main shit? I didn't even look at the prelims. I want to say that I want to say that uh, the 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 girl that trains with Connor, Sinead Cavanaugh, uh, is it? Uh, I have no idea. There's a there's an Irish chick uh, that's supposed to be the Bellator's building up. She's on the the uh, the undercard of the first one. But anywho, uh, yeah. With that, we uh, before we get into that, we've got to go ahead and uh, <laughs> get up to date on where we are. Uh, and and last week, I took losses on uh, Ryan Lafleur, uh, Lena Landsberg, uh, OSP, and Connor got wins back, uh, plus money, uh, good plus money on Scott Holtzman and uh, GCA Formiga. Uh, I ended up down 1.23 units on the week, bringing me down to 5.93 units overall. Uh, just another disappointing evening for myself. Uh, what's crazy is I did better, and like I, I didn't do that bad in real life because I can play fucking totals and that that's really where i wish we had our totals because we could do that and i could be doing so much better uh justin takes a loss on lafleur uh with me as well as osp and connor and uh and tax on some extra losses with sergio mm-hmm. that is uh <laughs> alexander volkoff and uh and then anthony pettis gets a win back with scotty holtzman uh, at good plus money and finishes up down 3.38 units on the week bringing him to 4.84 left overall so there's really just not much more room for error justin uh before or we've just busted and we're just jackasses yeah this is pretty that that one was rough man i picked all the wrong dogs and and all the wrong favorites it was crazy yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, uh, and, it was definitely. And you know, like Volkov, you know, 15 seconds left, he gets knocked out. Um, Anthony Pettis, you know, I thought that he could definitely come back and win, and breaks his hand, so he can't finish the fight. Um, you know, so with those two, it totally changes my night. But I was like you though in real life, I didn't, I didn't do bad. Parlays is what always helps me, you know. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I'll throw out some crazy prop bets. I had something uh, this past uh, weekend. You could you could bet how many uh, over or under uh, however many KOs or TKOs there would be total on the evening. And I had I had a bet where there was um, over uh, over over six and a half. And over seven and a half, you started getting like crazy good odds. And I want to say if you could have got, if you'd hit the over seven and a half, it paid like 200 and something to one, you know? So I just had like a, like a dollar out on it. And next thing I know, they're like, there's been no subs all night. And there's more, there's been more finishes than, uh, than, than decisions. And it, and it came down to essentially, uh, if, if Khabib would have just pounded Connor out instead of choking his ass, I would have a crazy prop. Also, and not, to wish, and not to wish ill on Ovince, 
But had they, you know, Owens got dropped with like 10 seconds to go. Reyes yeah. walks off like it's a walk off TKO. Mergliata doesn't call it a TKO, and he lets the time run on out, so it's a decision. If either one of those get called a TKO, then I'm a fucking big winner. Yeah. As it was, I still I got one, like seven or eight to one. I hit one that, um, that I put on, um, that there would be, you know, uh, an altercation after the fight with Connor and Khabib, and it was three to one. So I bet, you know, a third of what I bet on on Connor, I put on that just to make sure I could cover my ass, and it, it worked out for me there. <laughs> so you were a fan of the chaos. That was uh, that helped you. That helped I loved it. All right, on the line we have got. Flyweight contender Dre Miley fighting out of Knoxville Martial Arts Academy. He is getting ready to go back to battle in the Valor Cage, and it's going to be going down at the Valor Fighting Challenge at Fight Night at the Joe. Uh, it's coming up here in just uh, under a month now, November the 2nd, uh, Friday, November the 2nd at the Cod Night Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've got Dre Miley on the line with me. How's it going, Dre? Pretty good. How you doing, Tim? Doing good, man. Doing good. Good to hear from you, and uh, we appreciate you taking a few minutes of your evening to chat us up a little bit. Uh, of course, we haven't we haven't had you in action now in almost a year. It's uh, been not by the time the fight rolls around, it'll be almost a year to the day since your last action uh, fight with Chris Ocon in Nashville. Uh, before that, though, you had you knocked off three in uh, in 2016. Uh, you were able to stay real busy there, uh, of course, uh, and uh, you know you've got uh, a win over Michael Whaley and Travis Little. Uh, two and two coming into this one, and you'll be fighting a, a, a pro debut. Uh, in Ned Spears, but uh, not your typical pro debut. Spears is will have uh, several years on you, been in the game maybe a little bit longer than you as well, but just hasn't turned pro. Uh, first off, uh, talk to us uh, a little bit about this matchup and uh, what we can expect uh, to see go down uh, on uh, November 2nd. Um, I believe that this match is going to be different. Um, since the Christian O'Connor fight, I've had to take time and really address what I was doing and how I was applying certain techniques and how I see things work. Um, so I feel real comfortable about how I am now. I'm in a different point. My confidence is at an all-time high. I'm walking with a different kind of swagger. Um, I watch film on Ned Spears. I mean, he seems to be a good opponent. Uh, it's going to be a really fun fight. Um, I'm not going for fight tonight. I'm going for the finish. So it's never like a good sportsmanship. I mean, it's always good sportsmanship, but at the same time, I'm going to make a statement because, I, it, like I said, the Christian O'Connor fight left a bad taste in my mouth. I, I should have put that kid away, and it just it really irked me. Well, you had a really good first round uh, against Ocon, if I can recall. It was really back and forth. Uh, he's he and he's a good prospect. You know, uh, Ocon is is solid. You know, Ocon is a, a former uh, amateur champion and uh, and one of these guys that is a really good uh, prospect. So you know, to be back and forth and right in that fight. Uh, with with a guy like that, it says something uh, in itself. But I know that uh, you are always striving for for better and to improve. Uh, I know you've also started working your uh, strength and conditioning with Frankie at Frankie's uh, Body Shop. Now that you were you've you've done that since that fight, is that correct? I've actually done it before that it fight. Before, um, okay. I did it right after the Michael Whaley fight. I started there. I done it for a year. 
and I was getting ready for the Christian Ocon. So around about that time, that's when I started. So I've been training there for about about a year, almost going on two now. And are and are you seeing noticeable changes in your in your in your physicality? Oh yeah, I'm. I feel like a totally different animal. Like the year that I started, I was like I was still new to it, but now I got it. And when we have spar nights, I rarely ever get tired. I'm always going for that extra rep. Uh, my confidence is different. So now when I look at different people, I can size everybody up from top to bottom, and I could strongly and confidently say I can take this person. There's no more doubt in my head. There's nowhere anything. You know, you're one of the largest flyweights we've got on the scene uh, in this area. Uh, I expect you will have a, a pretty good size advantage over over Ned, who doesn't cut a whole lot of weight uh, to get to 125. Uh, what are some of the things that you feel like you've got to watch out for here against uh, Mr. Spears? He's coming out of Iron Lock MMA in uh, Pennington Gap, Virginia. He's one of these old school guys, and I, I don't mean that in a bad way, but, I mean, he'll say that himself. You know, he, uh, he he's been around for for years and years uh he's gonna have those those wily veteran tricks if you will on the ground uh what are some of the things you have to watch out for well it's mostly just stay one hit one step ahead of him he has the experience and he he's pretty game and i give all respect due to him and him and his game and his team that go up there but at the same time i know that i have i'm better than everywhere the only thing i really just watch out for is his jujitsu because he's kind of He's kind of spastic and he's very explosive to be the gentleman at his age. So I've got to be watch out for that. But I think I'll be fine with it. I train with killers all the time. So it's never about what he does. It's more about how I react to things and how I stay under pressure. Is this a fight where we're going to see you uh, show off some of your striking and uh, kind of, you know, I know you're a very – uh, well-rounded, uh, great wrestling and great jiu-jitsu as well. But uh, knowing that that is the, one of the areas where he could potentially be a threat, is this a fight where we could potentially see you look to keep it standing and show off some of your striking? Well, this is a fight that I'm fully confident saying I'm fully going to let go. I know I've said that in the past, but this time I'm like, this time to let everything go, stop harboring everything, stop holding back, just go all out on this kid. So if he wants to, like, wrestle with me and – well, I'll wrestle with them because I've wrestled with some of the best people in the area. I've out-wrestled them. Some of the best strikers, I've hung in there with them. Sometimes I've outstruck them. So mainly wherever he wants to take it. If he wants to take it to the feet, I'm fine. If he wants to take it to the ground, I'm totally cool with that too. He wants to wrestle with me, we can make it a wrestling match. So anywhere he can take it, anywhere he wants to take it, I'm definitely game for so, of course, you train under Eric Turner and Joey Zonar there at KMAA, uh, one of the top gyms here in the uh, in the region. And, uh, you know, you always hear about their their bigger guys and their girls coming out of there. OSP, Jason King, uh, the, the females, of course. Uh, who are some of the smaller people that are getting you ready for this? Well, of course, you, get, you know, you got Nick in there. He helps you with the intensity. He comes hard all the time. So, you, you know, it's always there we always have like uh lower belts that help out a lot too uh my main training partner right now is james adcock he helps me out with everything he's my main training partner me and him work on things together we push each other to the limit also another good training partner of mine is caleb miller uh garrett sharp i said who else am i missing i mean the list goes on we have a younger kid he's about 17 jackson donovan he helps me out too. So, I mean, there's a stable of little guys coming up. It's just we just get overlooked because, you know, the bigger guys are more noticeable than we are. So, I mean, 
hopefully I can help break that barrier and be like the first smaller dude to break it to break it out. So that's what I'm aiming for. Yeah, as I gotta say, this is a good opportunity. This card is a is a good opportunity for you to kind of do that. You know, it's uh you're you're gonna be pretty high up on uh, on the card on the ballot sheet for this one, and uh, it's kind of a good opportunity for you to make a statement. Yeah, so I mean that's that's what I'm hoping for. I'm hoping to make a statement. Actually, I'm going to make a statement. Um, so pretty much after that Ocon fight, really made me realize like you're a lot better than this. You don't need to shoot yourself in the foot. So from here on out, it's a totally different person. Well, we're very excited for it, man. Before I let you go, I want to let you get some shout-outs where they're due. Any sponsors, teammates, family, love you want to give. Uh, and also let our listeners uh, know where they can find you on social media so we can get that built up for you. Uh, all right. I give out to my team, Knoxville Martial Arts Academy, for helping me get through all this, uh, helping me work all the time and keeping money in my pocket. Um, shout-out to Frankie's Body Shop for keeping my body tips top shape and make sure – that I'm always pushing to new heights. Um, uh, all my sponsors, um, Tennessee Spine and Upper in Sevierville. Um, family, all my family, thank you for coming. Everybody who bought a ticket, thank you for buying a ticket. I will, will not disappoint you at this time. Uh, my social media is Instagram. My Instagram is at Dre Miley, MMA125. And my Facebook is Dre Dreku. Miley on Facebook. Um, it's pretty much all I handle right now. Twitter is Draku125MMA. So look up any of those, but feel free to follow me. Shout out some questions if you need them, whatever you want to do. Once again, this has been a rising flyweight prospect out of Knoxville, Tennessee, Dre Miley, as he prepares for his next venture into the cage. It's going down November 2nd, the Bower Fighting Challenge. Fight Night at the Joe, Cut Night Joe in Knoxville, Tennessee. Be sure to follow him on social media and keep up with all things Dre Miley. We appreciate the time tonight. Thanks so much, Dre. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Up next on the line, we have professional lightweight fighter Chris Wolf on the line with us. He is getting ready to make his return to the cage after a few years off. He'll be fighting at Balor Fighting Challenge November the 2nd at the Fight Night at the Joe event. He'll be taking on Real Steel Roy Sanders, guy that we've seen in the Balor Cage several times over the years. Chris, how's it going tonight? Going good, man. It's kind of practice. You know, I'm just kind of relaxing, hanging out. Very good, very good. We appreciate you taking over it. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to chat with us tonight. Now it's been uh, it's been several years uh, since since you've seen action. You know you're a you're a, a staple on the scene. Uh, several years back uh, in the early uh, in the early formative years, if you will, uh, of the East Tennessee MMA region, uh, took a break, uh, and now you are uh, you're running the KMAA uh, Pigeon Forge uh, uh, branch, if you will, and and getting ready to get back in the cage. What's been going on over the past uh, several years since we've seen you last? It's crazy. The thing I was looking at, I was like, man, how long has it been since I fought last? And yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy to think about. Well, I mean, just, you know, growing up, you know, I started fighting when I was in high school. So, uh, you know, just growing up, becoming an adult, a real man adult, and, uh, you know, <laughs> just business as usual, trying to make some money. And uh, now I'm just coaching. Uh, you know, we got a really, really good group of kids out there, and we got some good, uh, you know, young fighters coming out of the Pigeon Forge scene, some real tough guys. So that's mainly where my focus has been. And, of course, I have my family and my two little girls, so that's fun. You know, I was thinking about, um, you know, what the hardest thing 
probably is now compared to what it was before. And it might be that there's just cookies and pizza and candy all over the place now. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I have to be real disciplined and not eat that stuff. And that's, that's probably the hardest part of the whole process. So, so you know, over the over the years, you've been uh, you know uh, dealing with life as it may be. Uh, have you been have you been able to stay somewhat active, stay in shape, or or have you kind of had to start from square one uh, since you came? Not saying not saying square one so much, but uh, you know, has it been a little has it been a little bit of a process getting yourself back into a fight condition? I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's been absolutely a process. Um, I started, I didn't really work out for like two years. Uh, or no, no, probably longer than that, probably four years. And then I've been back, uh, you know, back training uh, with everyone for the last two years. You know, um, before when I was fighting, I didn't do any strength conditioning at all. You know, I just did it off of, um, you know, I would go to practice and everything like that. But now I'm actually doing strength and conditioning with Kayla Turner and uh, a few uh, a few other places down here, Forge Fitness and um you know, that's been the real, the, the biggest change, I would say, I would say, is just, you know, now I'm actually getting in fight shape, that's proper fight shape, along with the actual, you know, MMA classes and, uh, you know, the sparring classes. And, you know, it's completely, completely different. You know, it's not hard to lift a couch anymore. Um, you know, weight's coming off easier. <laughs> um, you know, it's fun, fun stuff. But yeah, no, it was, uh, I didn't do any, I didn't do anything for like four years. I got up to like 200 pounds, which is pretty heavy for me. Um, but you know, now I'm now I'm uh, you know a lot lighter, a lot stronger, and uh, mentally just doing the strength and conditioning classes, you know, gets you farther. You know, you're not just relying on your high school wrestling and your uh, you know stuff like that. <laughs> You know, obviously, you've got a good wrestling background there, uh, and you are, uh, as I mentioned earlier, kind of heading heading the program now at the satellite location for Knoxville Martial Arts Academy up in Pigeon Forge. Are you? Do you have enough uh, talent there to help you get ready uh, for through a camp there? Or are you still having to go down to uh, the the mothership, if you will? Well, we absolutely um, we absolutely have some really good talent there. Um, you know, and it's it's kind of it's smaller classes, obviously, kind of because Knoxville location. Um, so, you know, you don't have as much, I guess, as many training partners, but, you know, the coaching we get down there, whether it's from, um, you know, me, Joey Taylor, somebody like that, you know, you get, uh, you know, you get more, I, I guess, more personal, more personal training, more personal tips. Like, uh, you know, tonight we only had like four people come because, uh, you know, it's the busy season and traffic's crazy. So there's not a lot of actual fighters there today. Um, you know, but we spent two hours just going over technique you know, very, very, very specific techniques. So we have that there, um, you know, along with giant, crazy Russians and, you know, really, really <laughs> intense, uh, intense training partners. But I try to go out as not, I uh, try to go up to Knoxville as much as possible. You know, I, I go, uh, been going every Friday for the past, you know, month to make sure I'm getting all my sparring in with those, you know, those good guys down there, like Dre, Arthur, Nick Gertz, those guys. So, um, you know, it's a, it's traveling, but it's worth it. You know, those guys are so talented down there. Just keeping up with them and getting that kind of look is so beneficial. And then you, you have that along, like I said, with the, you know, the personalized training techniques and, uh, and Pigeon Forge, man, it's a great little combination. So, uh, of course, you'll be you'll be facing a guy that we're really familiar with here in the area. He's fought a lot of his fights for us. Uh, not a great record, but a but a very uh, experienced uh, veteran, if you will, in Roy Sanders. He's he's a tall guy, six foot three. He'll have a, a reach advantage and an experience advantage on you. Uh, and you're coming up in weight. Uh, you know, Roy generally a welterweight. He'll have to he'll have to really make a an effort to get to this 165 catch weight. Uh, and so I, I will uh, expect to see a little bit I think of it's 160. 
Oh, it may be 160. What do I know? Roy will be a big uh, a big guy at that weight, if you will. Uh, talk a little bit about the matchup, where you feel like you've got some advantages and where, where you feel like you may need to watch out. Well, I really don't have anything bad to say about him. Um, everybody at the camp seems to love him. <laughs> I was like, hey, I'm oh, a great guy. Like, oh, he's a cool guy. <laughs> 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 but, you know, I don't know. I don't really know anything about him. I watched a couple of tapes with uh, tapes from course on like YouTube or whatever, and he seems to be very, very calm, um, which actually I think, that, like you said, puts me at kind of a disadvantage because I've always been one to be very, very amped up when I fight, when I wrestle, when I do anything. Um, I'm pretty sure <laughs> I go pretty hard. So, you know, it's, uh, you know, just realizing what's going on. I don't believe in ring rust. I think, um, you know, as long as I'm getting my sparring time in, as long as I'm um, getting, you know, doing everything I should be doing, there should be really nothing to worry about for me. Like I said, I don't know how the fight's going to go down or anything like that. I, I don't like making predictions or going in too overconfident or anything that's got me in trouble in, you know, in wrestling and everything like that. But, um, you know, I couldn't say I had no clue how the fight's going to go down. I just know that I'm going to be calm. <laughs> I'm gonna calm. And you know, I picked up a lot of techniques over the years. You know, I've been coming back. I've been back for about two years now. I used to just be a wrestler. Now I'm doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the gym. You know what I mean? I'd rather, uh, or I wouldn't rather stand up. But you know, I have a stand up game. I always have. I just, you know, now I feel like I have the confidence to actually do it. Um, where that in before? Yeah, before I would just, you know, you know, one two take down. Let's see what happens. <laughs> so you know, working on that mental aspect of it, it's been very beneficial for me. Maybe and that's one of the that's one of the strengths of uh, of your head coach Eric Turner is kind of you know fine tuning that mental game uh, for so many of his athletes. You know, because you know everybody's is different and wired differently. So figuring out the right way to approach different people is uh, is certainly a, a, a commodity, if you will. Absolutely. Uh, you know, anytime I have like a, you know, a technique question, of course I go to Eric, but, uh, you know, a few times where I've been like, man, for whatever reason, I cannot go with this guy. This guy freaks me out. And then he'll talk to me like, Chris, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. And a lot of times it's not technical stuff. A lot of times it's like, you know, stop being afraid, man. And it gives me some deep, uh, like, I don't know, philosophical advice or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it's your brain. I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, you're right. It is my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been training doing a lot of coaching. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, sir. Go ahead. For sure. You've been, no, you've been doing a lot of coaching yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Tons of coaching. We've been, um, you know, we have a bunch of a little good group of uh, uh, boys and girls down at the uh, the gym. They're more than teen areas. We've been doing uh, some competing there and having really, really good results. Um, you know, just taking them out and uh, you know, getting gold medals, silver medals, all kinds of medals, medals today. <laughs> so your brother, hey, you know, uh, uh, he's what he's yeah, an upcoming yeah. prospect at flyweight, a guy that we've seen uh, already compete uh, quite a, quite often. Or in the past several months, he's come out and he's and he's gotten in a lot of action in a short amount of time. Uh, and he's a guy that we're real high on. Uh, of course, you've got several teammates on this card, so that's going to be very exciting. I'm sure getting to prepare to go to battle with with so many teammates. One of which is Dre Miley who is fighting uh, 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 Ned Spears. And, and if anybody uh, probably has some insight onto that one, your brother just fought Ned Spears. You train with Dre Miley a lot. What's some uh, What's some of your insight on that fight? Oh, man, Dre's a monster. It's so crazy. I'm a big, strong guy, right? I, I believe I'm a big, strong guy. Dre is just as strong as me, and he weighs like 220 pounds or 120 pounds. Like, dude, how are you doing that? I have no <laughs> <laughs> and he's like absolutely and he's absolutely shredded and nothing bothers him. You can hit him as hard as you can or get or pass his guard or something, it's just like, oh, 
doesn't matter. I, I, I would expect, I expect great things out of Drake in that fight, especially. But Ned, you know, Ned was a pretty tough guy too. He seemed, uh, you know, when he grabbed Logan, uh, we, me and Logan worked on that a lot actually today. When he grabbed Logan against the cage, Logan was like, dude, this guy's so strong. Um, you know, but yeah, man, well, he grabbed his head, so not good, but hey, <laughs> 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 please don't hang on the head. But yeah, you know, Dre, he's a monster, man. I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna do his thing in there for sure. So talk a little bit about what was the catalyst in getting you back in, in the groove, if you will. You know, what was there anything that uh, that happened, if you will, that just kind of made something click or like, I'm going to give this thing another run? Or uh, was it just kind of something you've been thinking about and you just like, yeah, let's do it? Well, you know, uh, it was weird. One day I was sitting there and you know, I was doing, uh, I think I was doing the schedule for my store. The, uh, Taylor texted me, he's like, hey, you want to teach the kids uh, submissions? You want to do a submission class? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, a couple months later, Taylor's like, hey, you want to come to the strength condition class? Yeah, hey, absolutely. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And now I'm sitting here talking to you guys, and I have a fight in three weeks. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's crazy how that things happen. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I give, I give all the credit to Taylor. You know, Taylor got me off my butt, um, and she just yells at me all the time and gets me to do stuff I don't want to do. So, you know, uh, this is something I actually want to do. And, you know, Taylor can help me in that way as well. It's been a, it's been a wild ride. It seems crazy. It's two years ago that I was just sitting there. Um, you know, and now I got to fight in three weeks. Well, I'm very excited to see you back in action, man. It is uh, certainly going to be a, a very fun night, November the second at the Cotton Eye Joe. As you make your return to the cage, uh, I'm going to give you uh, the floor to give some shout outs where they're due. Uh, any uh, sponsors, uh, teammates, family love you want to give, and also where we, uh, where our listeners can follow you on social media, so you can get that built up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a shout out to, uh, you know, Kayla Turner, like I said, Eric Turner, Joey, um, everybody in the KMA gym, everybody in the Pigeon Forge gym, uh, Forge Fitness, they're new, uh, they're, they have a new facility down there at Pigeon Forge. I've been working out with them uh, quite a bit as well. And, you know, just uh, my family, you know, with all the support, all the support. And uh, thank you guys. Thanks to Valor, uh, Fighting Challenge. Um, I can't say enough good things about everyone. Once again, this is and they good luck, good luck to all of the fighters on the second. I hope everybody, uh, you know, gets out of there injury free and uh, you know, have fun. One of the true gentlemen of the sport, Chris Wolf, gets ready to make his return to the cage Friday, November second. Valor Fighting Challenge Fight Night at the Joe will be taking on Roy Sanders. Make sure you check that out and follow him on social media. We appreciate the time. Thanks so much, Chris. Hey, thanks, guys. Bye. Up next on the line, we've got the main man behind the National Top Roller Grappling Circuit, Dustin Koppel, joining us. Dustin, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I always love Absolutely. being on the show. Absolutely, man. We've got a, another uh, another weekend coming up with another National Top Roller event. It is the Team uh, team Tournament Challenge. It's going down in Knoxville, and it is this Saturday, October the 13th at 931 Oglewood Avenue, Knoxville, Tennessee. There will be cash prizes for uh, the Absolute Divisions as well as a team uh, award, if you will. Uh, of course, gi and no gi uh, divisions available for kids, women, and men. Uh, there is uh, $69 a registration fee for one, or you can get into two divisions for only $89, and you can pre-register at nationaltoproller.com. Dustin, are you excited? It seems like it's been a, it's been a few weeks, uh, or maybe even more than a month. Well, it's been a minute, it seems like, since last it, we were talking. It, it, it has been a little bit since our last event. I believe uh, our last one was in um, 
July. So if I'm not mistaken, that's when the last one was. We kind of took September off because we wanted to focus solely on the tournament, uh, getting everything going for it. And, you know, really what we're wanting to do is start doing a, a tournament in the morning and show at night. And we had that scheduled and planned, and then the venue called me and was like, ah, we had some issues, so we only have the morning section for you. And I was like, okay. So, uh, but uh, I'm super excited for this, this style that we're doing with the tournament. Uh, you know, we're actually going to be rewarding the coaches as well as the competitors. Uh, so something we're doing for the coaches is with the team challenge, uh, first place, the coach will get a custom trophy and $250. Second place, $100 and a uh, custom trophy. And then third place will get $50 and uh the custom trophy as well for third place so something a little different that's what we really like to do is just dabble and see what works and, and what you know what the competitors want and the coaches want and just kind of go from there so definitely looking to see how how this tournament uh goes and you know see if they join well you know most of the time uh the format where top roller is is a uh, a card if you will of preset matches uh, so uh, have you found uh, doing it, the tournament format here to be more difficult, less difficult with having to actually hold matches together versus just recruiting overall? So there's there's quite a few more moving parts when you do a tournament, having to get more referees and people to work the clock and having the ambulance on standby and security. And, you know, you know how that goes running the, the bigger shows and, and, and whatnot. So. Uh, there's just a lot more moving parts in the bracketing and you just got to work quick having somebody at the metal table. And um, so, you know, you got to reach out a little bit more, but I, I do love the tournaments just because, you know, we've designed it to where it flows perfectly and it flows really easy. Uh, everything's just, you know, you know, our, our guys and our team knows how to work together and we haven't had any issues. So I'm grateful for that. I've been to a lot of tournaments to where, you know, one minute you're bracketed, then the next minute they don't even call you up. And then, you know, you don't even get to compete because you missed your division. And then, you know, it's just, we're not like that. We have it to where it's, it's very set. People know where to go and where to be. And uh, we, we try to take and mirror off of IBJJF tournaments and how they run stuff and, and trying to be on time. And that's really what we've gone for. And then versus our, our shows, you know, we, we love doing our shows. Don't get me wrong. Those are a ton of fun, too. Uh, but like I said, we want to start gearing towards doing a tournament during the day and a show at night all in the same day. So hopefully we can, we can get there. So, um, of course, you know, this being a tournament, it's, it's hard to say this early who, you know, is what, who to watch out for and whatnot, but, uh, what are some of the teams that, uh, we can expect to see that, that may be, uh, some of the contenders for this, uh, this top team award. So, um, of course, you know, I own National Martial Arts as well. We have quite a few of our students that can be competing. I know uh, Laban from Lucas Lepree. He has, uh, we've had quite a few from there. Uh, we have a few of uh, Gracie Baja um, doing it. We have a, um, a, a new school that popped up, Wolf Den. And uh, he's had quite a few that have pre-registered as well. Uh, there's just a, a few that will hit or miss miss with uh, smaller schools and we have a goji bjj that's putting together quite a, a good squad um i know with breck still he has a few of his people coming up so he opened up a, a brand new school and uh so it, it's a really a bunch of these new people have opened up new schools so there's going to be a lot of first-time competitors uh which is exciting and you know we, we've had around 60 or so pre-registered so far 
Uh, we are going to have two specialty matches. Uh, we'll have DJ Mackey versus a guy named Adam Fritz, who's a, just a killer in Nogi. And then we'll also have a combat jiu-jitsu match as well uh, with Aaron Gallegos and um, uh, one other gentleman named CJ. So that'll be an interesting one. He's done some MMA stuff. But those will be the only two specialty matches that we have set. The rest will just uh, be who's coming from the team. So we're definitely looking forward to it. Most definitely, man. Well, go Adam Fritz, because fuck DJ Mackey is all I got to say. Uh, well, I've got, I got something for uh, – I got uh, Justin Watson on the line as well. He had a question for you. Justin. Hey, man. <clears throat> I was going to see if you had seen uh, Quintet in the format that they're using, and if so, if you'd be interested in trying that out sometime. Yes, sir. Yeah, that was, uh, that was something we were definitely going to be shifting towards as well. We were going to want to start – you know, that, that's becoming more and more popular. And we've talked to quite a few people that have their teams established. And uh, I was talking to Tim Loy, and hopefully we're, we're going to work together and, and get one here in the new, near future to kind of help launch it. And, you know, that's something that we're going to potentially just have shows for that night and, and having the tournaments and having teams and doing uh, overall records. And we're definitely going to take that very seriously here in the near future. I think that'd be awesome, man. Um, I caught this last quintet, and I think the format is really cool on it. Um, so I, I think it would help get the you know get jujitsu out there, more people, um, you know, competition jujitsu out there. So look forward to seeing yeah, that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the way that we're most likely going to do it is we'll still have that going on, but we'll have our tournament as well. So that way, you know, maybe if you're not on the actual squad for your gym, at least you can still come and compete. So it'll be like almost two tournaments in itself. Right. I think that That's could be uh, that could be uh, something that that could really catch on. I think, and uh, definitely interested to see where that goes. Uh, Dustin, want to give you a moment to get some shout outs where they're due. Any sponsor love? Uh, anything pertinent that I have missed in uh, the, uh, the the pimping of this tournament? Uh, the the mic is yours. Yeah, as always, you know, Tim Lloyd, thanks for having me on the show. Uh, you definitely asked all the right questions. We got to talk about the tournament. You know, if you guys are listening right now to the show, you guys are still, you can uh, still come the day of to pre-register. So you can still compete. Like I said, we're doing cash prizes uh, for absolute divisions. We'll have custom medals, uh, a ton of stuff going on. So 69 for one, 89 for two. Shout out to uh, Fuji BJJ. We love working with them and, you know, we'll continue to work with them. We're actually going to be doing something with Battle Mountain here shortly. Uh, um, you know, uh, Smash Bowl. They always uh, they always come out and provide the best off you bowl. So love love working with them. Um, and then I believe that is it. I don't have my my sponsor list in front of me. So and the national top roller, <laughs> go us. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this has been the main man for national top roller, Dustin Koppel. Be sure you check out the national top roller team tournament challenge. It goes down this Saturday, October the 13th at 931 Oglewood Avenue in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, early weigh-ins go down uh, from 7 to 8 o'clock. Uh, so if you haven't registered yet, you still can. You can pre-register at nationaltoproller.com. Save $10 off of the price of registering on site. Uh, and uh, again, there is uh, gi divisions, no gi divisions, uh, team awards. It will be uh, quite the uh, soiree. I encourage you to check it out. Thanks so much for the time. I'm Dustin. Yes, sir. You guys have a great night. So that brings us to our preview portion of the evening. 
And uh, this one will be uh, twofold. We have Bellator 207, 208 going down this weekend. We'll start off with Bellator 207. Uh, see if we can we can ride this this sinking ship, Justin. I I, I see a few plays on here. I'm going to make. I'm I'm still going to be a little gun shy on a few as well, but uh, I do see a few things that that look appealing here. Uh, looking first at Bellator 207, uh, we open up with a welterweight. Uh, alternate uh, match in the in the welterweight grand prix originally supposed to be lorenz larkin taking on eric silva which i was pretty excited for uh and eric silva pulled out about a week ago and now it is jan paskew uh, romanian fighter uh, that steps into his uh into his place to take on lorenz larkin who opens as a major favorite minus 425 with paskew coming back at plus 305 uh, since that time, it looks like uh, the the money has come in on Larkin as he is now all the way up to minus 800 with Paskey coming back at plus 500. See, uh, one of these fights where on short notice, I, it's it's an uphill climb, I think, for Paskey here. Larkin has, has really only lost to, you know, really good guys. He's never lost to a guy on Paskey's level, if you will. Uh, and I don't know that Paskey's ever beat a guy on Larkin's level. So I, I definitely lean towards Larkin, but it would be uh, too much juice for me to give up at minus 800. Uh, once the totals come out, I would potentially look at maybe an over if it's like one and a half. Because, you know, the, the Romanian guy looks pretty tough, but it may be tough for Larkin to get him out of there. But uh, I got to pass on a straight play. Justin. Lorenz Larkin has been around for a long time. Um, he should be able to take this fight pretty easily, I would think. Um, he's one and two in Bellator, so he needs to pick up some wins. Um, but, you know, this other guy is, he's 18 and eight. Lorenz Arkin's 18 and, or 19 and seven, so, I mean, their records are pretty close, obviously. Lorenz Arkin's faced a lot tougher competition, but, um, you know, this guy's got nine knockouts, four decisions, I mean, four submissions, so. Um, you know, it could be tough. I wouldn't wouldn't want to play on it. Up next, we have lightweight action as Carrington Banks seven and one takes on the undefeated Mandel Nalo uh, out of the TriStar Gym uh, in Canada. Six and zero oh, has not fought the greatest competition, but has looked really good uh, in the process. Carrington Banks uh, opened as a pretty sizable favorite, minus three hundred five, with uh, Mandel coming back at plus. 225. Uh, the action has actually come in on the underdog, as that is narrow. But, uh, Carrington Banks now minus 170. Uh, Mandel Nalo plus 140. Uh, at the earlier odds, I probably would have taken a flyer on the underdog, Nalo, uh, just because uh, he does look pretty exciting and flashy, but uh, I liked it at the plus, uh, whatever it was, plus 225. Uh, now at plus 140, it doesn't seem to have the luster to me, just because Banks wrestling is so good. Uh, you know, he's coming off his first loss, so who knows who knows how he will react to that. Um, but, you know, Banks is a guy that, that has been with Bellator now um, for, you know, a couple years. I think uh, they want him to be back on track here. And with a, the stylistic matchup, uh, I think it, it's uh, the odds uh, shifting that much closer makes it a no play for me. Uh, I originally was going to take a flyer, like I said, on the underdog, but now it's a pass. Justin. Uh, I'm right there with you. I was going to take a flyer on him as well. Um, but, you know, now it's, it's getting close like this. It's not worth a play for me. Um, 
But, you know, I expect Banks to kind of just ride out a decision, though. Up next, a fight that will have some familiarity for us here. Uh, Baby Slice, Kevin Ferguson Jr., Kimbo Slice's son, uh, three and one, all of those fights in Bellator, uh, takes on uh, the East Tennessee local, Corey Browning, uh, three and two, uh, and he opens at plus 325. The action has come in hard and heavy on uh, Baby Slice as he is now minus 775 with Browning coming back at plus 490. Uh, it's a tough fight for Corey from a physicality standpoint. Uh, I had uh, the privilege of, of being able to, to help put this fight together, actually, uh, and uh, on the ground, I think Corey has an advantage. I think uh, Slice has been submitted. He got submitted in his first fight, so he, uh, you know, he has shown um, uh, some, some gaps there, and, and that is where Corey is going to be, uh, is going to want to get the fight. So, yeah, I think it comes down to a matter of Corey's able to get the fight where he needs it, or if he's gonna, or if he's just out physical. Uh, minus 775 uh, on Ferguson is way too expensive for me, knowing that Browning you know, could potentially snatch a sub. But uh, I'm gonna pass on this one all the way around still, uh, and uh, and just enjoy it and root for Corey. Uh, Justin. It'd be fun to see how Browning reacts, you know, to this uh, this big of a step up. I mean. You know, Baby Slice is obviously, they're pushing him pretty hard because of his name. So, um, you know, this is a totally different stage for Corey. Um, I would stay away from it. It's, you know, Corey's come, Corey's beat people that he should never be in there fighting before. So, uh, yeah, I would stay away from it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> Corey's a guy that is the underdog a lot uh, coming into his fights, especially as an amateur coming up, he fought some guys that, that people didn't give him much uh, chance against. Uh, guys like uh, Kyle Jones and uh, Demir Farad George Arlano, he, he beat all those guys, you know, and, and, I, and I would clock, I would clock Demir over Baby Slice, personally. Yeah, uh, I think uh, so, too. And so, so there is, there, that, that tells you that anything can happen, <laughs> you know, um, Corey has an odd pop in his hands as well. That it, 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 he has some some power that you would that, that he's kind of an unassuming guy that you wouldn't think that he's got. You know. So uh, that said, he's going to be uh, like I said, in, from a physical aspect, he's going to be uh, the uh, the underdog in that in that regard. And sometimes that's all it takes. Um, moving on to the co-main event, heavyweight action. Uh, this is not part of the Grand Prix, to my knowledge, but um, Sergey Karatanov and Roy Nelson, big country. Uh, of course, uh, big country opened up as the favorite, minus 245, Karatanov at plus 175. The action has come in on uh, Roy Nelson as he is now minus 335. Uh, Karatanov coming back at plus 255. This is a uh, what I would imagine will be a striking battle. Uh, both guys have got good power. Roy has obvious one-hitter quitter power, uh, and he showed a good chin. But I, and I think that uh, man at plus two fifty-five, I've got to play a flyer on Kertanov because I think that either one of these guys could land a, a one-hitter quitter. Honestly, uh, at some point he'll have the better range and the better probably technical skill. Uh, Roy throws that big overhand and will probably have the advantage on the ground, but he just hasn't been going to the ground. So I'm going to take a half a unit on uh, Sergei, uh, Sergei Karatanov plus 255, Justin. I'm going to do the same thing, uh, half a unit on, on Sergei. You know, he's 27-6. and six. Roy Nelson's 23-15. and 15. I mean, you know his name. He's fought everybody, but he's, you know, he's not 
he's not done the greatest, I guess you could say. Um, but Karadonov has 10 submissions, so, I mean, even if even if they do go to the ground, you know, it, it could still go either way. But, yeah, I think for that for that money, I would take uh, Karadonov, and I'll take him for half unit. Both Justin and I agree that the uh, the underdog uh, odds are worth uh, worth the the risk here. I think this is. I mean, it's not going to shock me if it goes the other way, but I think that uh, I think that uh, with odds, it's it's certainly worth a look. Um, okay, and that takes us on to our uh, our main event, and this is part of that. Uh, this is part of that uh, welterweight. I'm sorry, heavyweight Grand Prix. Uh, one of the semifinals. It's going to be Matt Mitrione taking on Ryan Bader. Uh, Mitrione coming off a win over uh, Roy Nelson, a uh, decision. And Bader uh, knocked out King Mo uh, in the first round. And Bader opens up as uh, the favorite in this one, as expected. He opens up at minus 210. Mitrione coming back at plus 160. But uh, now the more money has come in on Bader. He is now minus 335. With Mitrione coming back at plus 275. I, uh, man, I think that Bader's got more ways to win. Uh, you know, he obviously could knock him out, but uh, more likely his wrestling will be able to get the takedown and, uh, and probably get a decision, in my opinion. I don't like giving up the minus 335 just because Mitrion's such a hitter. So for me, this one is going to be a pass, and I think it will be an exciting one to watch. Just uh, I think size is going to be a, a big factor in this one. Um, I think Mitrion's going to be a lot harder to take down than than Bader expects, you know, he's 13 and five, but he started in the UFC. He's had five fights, or was he? I don't know, five or six fights in in uh, Bellator, but um, you know, the rest of his career was in the UFC. So he's fought top-notch opponents, you know, the whole time. Um, so is Ryan Bader, but I think the size will be the biggest difference. I'm going to take a, a half a unit on on Mitrione. So Justin advises a half unit on Matt Mitrione uh, getting that good underdog money. So uh, you know if we can if we can pull one of these off. You know then uh, then we're to the good at least. Uh, that will do it for the uh, main card on uh, Bellator 207, and uh, it brings us to the uh, Bellator 208 card the very next night. Uh, and that one is kind of the more uh, star-studded card, I guess you would say, that going down uh, Long Island, uh, the Nassau Coliseum in New York, and also on Paramount in the zone. Uh, in this one, uh, we open up with a featherweight bout. It is Henry Corrales, 15-3, taking on Andy Main, 12-3-1. And, and um, this is about that uh, they uh, – it's a pretty big favorite uh, to open here. It's uh, <clears throat> Henry Corrales at minus 550. Andy Main coming back at plus 400. I do uh, think Corrales is a pretty good favorite here. Uh, he's on a roll. He's a very exciting fighter. Good submission skills. Uh, but that kind of juice is a little too much for me to lay. Main's been in there with, with a lot of good guys and, and is fairly durable. So uh, I'm going to pass. Just Henry Corrales is a finisher. Um, 11 out of his 15 wins or finishes. So uh, if I would, if I were to play on this, I'd probably play on the under. Um, Andy Main, also, you know, um, he's been around for for quite a while. Uh, just making his come up. He's 12 and three. Uh, he's won four of his last five. So, um, you know, I think he, he may be live. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to risk anything playing on Corrales, but um, I think he should win it with these. Moving on to uh, another bout that is uh, very, 
very close. Uh, this one is, is close in the odds. It's middleweight contest, and it's uh, Anatoly Tokov taking on Alexander Shlomenko, who we just saw in the corner, uh, you know, uh, of his guy. Uh, uh, fuck me, I completely slipped my mind now, but he just lost to Douglas Lima. Um, uh, who is that, Dustin? Who's the uh, Russian guy? That just, who is it? Um, oh, my gosh. Oh, we're terrible. Uh, anyway, uh, he just lost. <laughs> he just lost to Douglas Lehman. I saw Shlomiko in his corner. Uh, and Shlomiko's a guy that's been with Bellator for uh, uh, for for a long time, a former champion. Uh, he is a guy that has fought some of the very best, but he seems to be on a bit of a decline. He's a very slight favorite here, minus 115, and Tokov coming back at minus 105. I am very tempted to play Tokov here. But I am ultimately going to pass out of respect to Shlomiko, but I really want to play Tokov. Justin? Uh, yeah, I'm going to play Tokov on this one, uh, half a unit. I think Shlomiko's 56 and 11. I mean, you know, at some point, it's just, you know, you've had enough. Um, he's lost his last two fights. Um, you know, Tokov has won his last two fights going 2-0 in Bellator so far. 15 knockouts. I mean, um, I think that going to be a good fight, but I think uh, Tokov can, can can take it there. I'm going to take a half unit, just being conservative. Justin Watson advises the play on Anatoly Tokov. I like it. I'll probably end up doing it uh, like for real, but I just uh, <laughs> I've got so little money's left here that I don't, on our, in our official picks that I, I, I'm worried. Uh, but on this next one, I am going to make a play. It's heavyweights. Uh, we got Timothy Johnson just out of the UFC taking on another former UFC star, Czech Congo. Uh, Timothy Johnson, the favorite, minus uh, 130. Czech Congo comes back at plus 110. This one probably won't be very aesthetically pleasing to watch. Johnson wants both these guys kind of want to clinch and, and use use that uh, clinch game. And uh, Timothy Johnson probably wants to go for takedowns. I think Congo's going to be able to keep it in the clinch, making an ugly fight, probably a decision. But at plus 110, I'm going to play a half unit on Czech Congo. Justin? I'm right with you again. Um, <clears throat> I think... Czech Congo's just got the experience, and uh, you know he's nine and two in Bellator. He's been there for a while, uh, so you know he's, he's it's kind of home for him. Um, kind of surprised that he's that he's the underdog, but I'm going to take a half unit on him as well. Both of us advised to take that uh, underdog money on Czech Congo. Uh, I think stylistically this is a good match for him. Moving into the uh, lightweight. Uh, division in the co-main event. We have Bendo, Ben Henderson, uh, coming off a win over Roger Huerta. He'll be a uh, minus 425 favorite over Saad Awad, who's on a three-fight winning streak, uh, a Bellator mainstay, a guy that's beat, uh, you know, a lot of their uh, contenders, if you will, but hasn't been able to knock off the top guys. He comes back at plus 320. I I really think Henderson gets it done here. I'm probably not going to give up the minus 425, although I parlay with Henderson and Corrales could look decent, but as far as a straight play, I'm going to pass. I think Henderson's just uh, just too skilled. I could see a submission potentially. Justin. Well, uh, <clears throat> Watt is on a four-fight win streak. He's you know 11 and five in, in Bellator. He comes to fight. I mean, uh, he wants to finish you, and you know Benton Henderson to some extent will allow that. Um, so I think that it's worth uh, throwing a little bit on. So I'm going to take 0.25 units on Sad Awad. Sad Awad for a quarter of a unit and uh, getting very nice uh, return at plus 320, Justin advises. 
uh, a wad a very small play and uh, yeah I could see it you know I mean he's a hitter you know a wad comes out and he and he throws and he's game and he's aggressive you know uh, so I mean he certainly could find his chin and and, and knock him out uh, you know it's, it's certainly possible uh, moving yeah, on to the event oh, go ahead Justin I think it's a good play um, you know if you if you just take something small you know like that at a, a core unit you know the return is you know, almost, you know, you're getting close to a unit back on it. And, you know, as long as you make a couple other good picks to cover it, um, you know, it's something small, so you can throw it away, but it's, it's a good return for it. Yeah, I like your, I like where your head's at. The main event, uh, this is the one, I guess, the one of the week, the big one of the weekend uh, that everybody's the most uh, jazzed for. It is the other semifinal of the heavyweight uh, Grand Prix. So the winner will face the previous night's main event winner between Mitrion and Bader. And this is going to be Chael Sonnen, the American gangster, uh, taking on uh, Fedor Emelianenko. Uh, Fedor, of course, uh, coming off of a win, a, a real fast win over Frank Mir. Um, Chael Sonnen, uh, I want to say, was it Rampage he beat in the first round uh, with Decision? Yeah. Uh, Fedor yeah. is the favorite, minus 260. Chael Sonnen coming back at plus 220. Man, I think Fedor's too big. I don't think, I mean, Chael's going to have to take him down and, and somehow control him for a decision win and that, that's the only way i see it happening i think fedor showed with mir that uh you know he's still got that pop he's still got that power he's probably want to keep it standing and i could see a knockout here uh and i am going to oh god i'm going to go out on a limb and i'm going to put two full units on fedor minus 260 justin Woo. that's a big one it is I'm going against you. I'm going to take oh my. A, a little, <laughs> I'm just going to take a little baby quarter though, just a just okay. quarter unit on jail. I think that he can he can take Fedor down. I think he can control him there. Uh, the size difference is going to be very minimal. I think Chael's talking about coming in at like 230 something like that. Fedor always comes in around 230 240. Um, yeah, Fedor's dangerous on you know on the ground too. He can he can you know, he's got 17 submissions. He can put you out there, but um, I think, you know, I, I kind of called in the beginning that um, one of my predictions was Shale and uh, and uh, Mitrione in the final. So um, let's stick to that and see if I see if old Shale can win me a little money back. Uh, I like it, man. I like it. So uh, there are our picks for Bellator coming up this weekend. Two back to back fight nights. You pumped? You gonna you gonna you gonna check them both out? Yeah, definitely. I'll be all over it. All right, both of those go down uh, again Friday, Saturday night on Paramount or DAZN. Be sure to check those out. Proceed with caution in your picks if you're following us because we aren't on the greatest uh, the greatest uh, track right now. But, I, I, shit, man, I feel pretty good about these. I always feel good about them, I guess. But uh, I feel pretty good about these things. We'll see. Yeah. Oh, man, next week we'll check in on our... Our progress of such, we'll get some more uh, some more fighters on the line from the uh, Valor Fighting Challenge card, and I'm sure we'll talk about some more bullshit. Until uh, then, uh, this is Tim Lloyd with my my partner Justin Watson signing off for Valor Hour episode 84. We'll see y'all next week. For more information on upcoming events, visit valorfights.com or find them at Valor Fights on both Facebook and Twitter. This has been the Valor Hour. 
powered by the law offices of Ogle, Elrod, and Beryl on Radio Influence. This is a Rush the Field quick fix on Radio Influence. You like scenarios? I love scenarios. You, you like scenarios? I love chaos. You want to you wanna talk about it? What would you do right now? I'm going to ask you, Scott Seidenberg. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Notre Dame goes unbeaten. Okay. Clemson goes unbeaten. Okay. Ohio State goes unbeaten. Mm-hmm. Alabama and Georgia unbeaten in the SEC championship game. Okay. It is a close game, maybe even a questionable call. Sure, and sure. And the Georgia Bulldogs beat Alabama. Okay. Who are you leaving out? That's it. Four. I would put Alabama in. I, I, I would. I would have to leave out. I would, I would have to leave out either. It would depend who looks worse down the stretch, whether it's an undefeated Clemson or an undefeated Ohio State. I would. I would. But I would. I would lean towards right now. I think Clemson. But you'd have would have Notre Dame in. I, I think Notre Dame would have to get in because the, I think an undefeated Notre Dame team definitely gets in. Even though they have they would have the weakest schedule technically, I guess you could say that. Although Clemson would have a, a case okay, for that as so well. Let, 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 me, let, me make, let me make this a little clearer. Mm-hmm. Let me give you this. All right, so the scenario I gave you in the SEC championship. Who does Clemson is beat in the ACC championship Clemson, game? How do they Clem, Clemson runs the table uh-huh. and impressively starts blowing out people. Ohio State dominates everybody, blows out Wisconsin, okay. Iowa, whatever. Okay, so now you got Clemson in Ohio State. Got it. You've got an unbeaten SEC champion, Georgia. They beat Alabama. And so your two choices, really, now. Or Alabama, Notre Dame. Alabama and, and just lost the game. And, 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 Notre and, Dame. All right, and then you know what? In that scenario, honestly, as much as it pains me, I'd have to leave out Alabama because oh, oh, oh. because but here's here's the reasoning now. You would have the pure scenario which everyone would love, which is the four undefeated teams. And you would also have the argument that Alabama and Georgia was the first round of the playoffs. No, okay. So you're making these rules. I'm now. not making you. rules. I'm saying that's that's how you justify it. Is you say, you know what? Everyone wants the expansion of the playoffs to six teams. Well, here you have it. Okay. The SEC championship game between two undefeated teams. That's a playoff game. Okay, you but, win okay. and you advance to the semifinals. You lose and you're out. Rush the field with Scott Seidenberg and Chris Leary can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and RadioInfluence.com.